So tonight, Sam and I did something interesting, and it left us a little bit frustrated. We're going to talk about that because we are getting into election season, and you guys are unfortunately going to need to know what's going on, and it's not going so well so far. We hope we can get you to think through some of these things. We do want to make it clear that there were no actual winners tonight in the first of the uh, Republican uh, presidential debates. There were no winners. There was no one worth voting for. We want to make sure that's completely clear, but let's get into it. Welcome to the Wikipedia Podcast. The Wikipedia Podcast is a ministry of enemies within the church, and you can find out more at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com. And when you go there, you can find all kinds of articles and different things from Wikipedia. You can also find the Enemies Within the Church documentary, which we would highly suggest that you buy your copy, whether that's a DVD, a Blu-ray, or even your digital copy of Enemies Within the Church, so that you can see this groundbreaking, earth-shattering documentary, all going and stopping wokeness, standing against wokeness in the midst of really a incredibly woke day and age. But Kyle, how are you doing today? Because we are going to be talking about some wokeness. So how are you doing today, Kyle? Uh, I have a... Um... You know that 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 like a ghost headache when you're just frustrated. Yeah, that's that's what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. So for everybody who's listening, this is being recorded immediately after this is our immediate reaction to the GOP Republican presidential debate, the first one. M- I don't know if we're going to subject ourselves to the torture of doing this for every single one, but we are for sure going to be doing it today. We'll have to see uh, what the future holds on the ones going forward. Um, But yes, I do know what you're talking about with that ghost headache, Kyle. (laughs) I I do know what you're talking about. I, I will just give full disclosure here. I absolutely love debates, political debates. I'm a debate junkie. Um, I've got YouTube videos saved of old debates. Uh, just, just absolutely love watching debates. Once in a while, I'll even go and pain myself and watch like the Joe Biden versus Paul Ryan vice presidential debate from back in the day. Um, I I mean, just all kinds of stuff. I, I just really am a political junkie, love this kind of stuff, but this was a painful debate. I I have to tell you that this was painful. Uh. Yeah, and I think saying debate might be a little bit generous because yeah. I, I mean, people always describe political debates as a circus, but oh boy, was this a circus? Was this full of non-answers? Was this full of just useless information? Yeah. But in there, that information, there's still a lot of things we can learn, and there's a lot of things that are yeah. important to discuss Absolutely. on this program. Why? Because yeah. we, if we want to turn the tide in this country when it comes to 
the Marxist infiltration, when it comes to wokeness, you know, making political change is going to be just as important as making changes on a popular level. Mm -hmm. So we need to elect good leaders that can start to stop the momentum, politically speaking, and start to make good laws that align with God's word so we can see a truly just and good society restored in this country. Now, Sam, did we see hope on that front in this debate? No, um, we did not see very much hope uh, on this this front in this debate. And just to kind of set the the, the narrative for everybody, because maybe you know, maybe you're going to be listening to this 50 years in the future, um, you know, wondering how in the world we got to wherever we got. Uh, and you're you're checking this out in the archives. Um, this was the first presidential debate. And of course, the person of uh, the first GOP presidential debate uh, and the the clubhouse leader, the leading uh, person in the polls, uh, former President Donald Trump, um, was not at the debate. He decided to sit out of the debate, and um, it, we'll see. You know, he, it's possible that he's under house arrest or in prison for the next debate. We'll find out. Um, but he did not come to this debate. And so the leader of the clubhouse was Ron DeSantis. Uh, Jimmy, just to go through quick, uh, yeah, the the people, um, so so you got the leader in the clubhouse, Ron DeSantis, and then you've also got, I would say probably the, the, the person with the most momentum going into this was Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, c- coming into this, you and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about him in just a moment. Um, you also have former Vice President um, Mike Pence. You have uh, former Governor Nikki Haley. You have former Governor of New Jersey Chris Christie. Um, you have uh, U.S. Senator Tim Scott. You have um, uh, North Dakota governor, couldn't, couldn't think of what state it was there. North Dakota governor, uh, Dave Burgum, you have, um, I'm not really sure where Asa Hutchinson's, uh, governor, is he Arkansas maybe? Yeah. Arkansas. Um, and then you also have, no, that was, you got, you th- got, was that, did I get them all? Did I get them all? You got them. And wow. There, there's, I got them all. Sam's not doing that because he's struggling to remember them. Sam is doing that because the last several were legitimately that forgettable. I'm looking at the list right now. And while Sam was rattling them off, I had forgot that, that uh, Scott was part. Yeah. It, and, and it's interesting. because we might talk a little bit about Tim Scott, probably not much. Uh, we're probably not going to talk much about Asa Hutchinson or Dave Bergamum because, um, or Bergam because they, they were not, they were an absolute non-factor to the yeah. point where both of them started getting skipped on questions pretty regularly. Right. Um, I, I have no idea who's the, the donor behind Asa Hutchinson, but he's not getting his money's worth. And uh, Dave Burgum is a multi-billionaire or a billionaire or something like that. And so he, um, you know, he's funding his own, his own way there. Um, but 
I think in the the just in the setting of the stage, the thing, the question coming into this with Trump not being there was really would Ron DeSantis come out and beat everybody, or would somebody from the field win this debate? I mean, really, they had it was really DeSantis or the field at, at this point in time, or at least heading into it. At least that's mm-hmm. how I viewed it. I don't know. Is that how you viewed it? Yeah, that was kind of the general. I think that was kind of the general consensus among people. Uh, I think Vivek was kind of seen as a bit of a grassroots candidate, bit of a like a dark horse candidate. Um, mm-hmm. Even if he was polling decently well, it, it's not one of those things that people really took seriously. Uh, Pence, again, kind of a similar situation, not really a dark horse, but just not taken super seriously. And the rest were way, way below. So Ron, Ron DeSantis really had the, the number one position. Now... Is that how it played out in practice? And my answer to that question is no. Um, Ron DeSantis, uh, and I've got a lot of friends who are big DeSantis supporters, but I'm just calling balls and strikes. This has nothing to do with with, with how, what the analysis I'm giving on these political candidates has nothing to do with my agreement with their views. We're going to talk about their views in just a little bit. Oh boy, uh, we some, are s- on some of this stuff. But while I'm giving this analysis, um, DeSantis was not aggressive um, enough at all. In fact, he only had one aggressive moment, and then he ended up backing off that position when it was the question of raising hands the first time. And he goes, "What is this elementary school?" That's the one and only time that he really led. Uh, anything in this debate. And the problem was, was that there were long stretches where he wouldn't talk. When he would talk, it was generally a very canned answer. Um, It it wasn't good. My answer for who won the debate, I've thought about this. My my gut reaction is Vivek had to have won this debate. Um, There was a point in time when he... He took a shot on the chin because he overplayed himself too much and Pence got the best of him and he got booed on the stage. But he seemed after the commercial break that came right after that to regain his composure. He fought off Nikki Haley uh, in an attack and I think maybe Chris Christie in another attack. And then he finished strong. He's a very good orator, a very natural speaker. Um, and when it comes to rhetoric and who gained the most points of popularity, I, I got to say Vivek probably won. We're, oh, what yeah. are your views on this? No, easily, um, easily I would agree because who, who else could have been Pence was arguably the biggest loser of the debate, not because he himself, I think Chris Christie is the, the slimiest one that's up there. Uh, and he lost hard, but he had a lot less of a fall than Pence did. Pence went from, you know, the th- number three up there to just bombing, absolutely bombing. Uh, to, but DeSantis, he was just too passive. He was mm-hmm. he put himself back into the the passive group rather than being up front in the active group, which really left uh, Vivek up in the front, and he won. But the thing is, we're not saying that he's a good candidate and we're not saying that he won because he was a 10 out of 10. We're saying he won because everyone else was a two and he was a three. Yeah. And <laughs> and I think that's that's a very important thing to go and to put out. And, and by the way, you, you could 
you could be completely wrong in all of your answers and win a debate. Like that's, mm-hmm. th- that's one of those things. And, um, and so this isn't to do with the content of what he's saying. Um, although mm-hmm. he did give some, some good quick answers, I, we would argue that his answers were not very substantive at all. Um, he won through rhetoric and or yes. oratory skills, not through substance. Right now he did also, and this is part of that rhetoric, but he did seem to have real conviction in his answers. And that was something that DeSantis didn't have. And I think it's important to bring this moment up because, uh, you need to look at the character of a candidate. It's not just what they say. You need to look at their character as well. And I think this was a, a potential character revealing moment for DeSantis. I, oh, I, don't I know re- what you're saying now. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember which question it was, but it was one of the hand raising questions. It was the Trump question. The, the Trump question. Would, uh, would you support Donald Trump? And, and Vivek shoots his hand up like, I mean, quicker than Usain Bolt can run. I mean, he just shot his hand up. Other people start raising their hand. Couple people don't. And you see Slowly DeSantis. and tentatively raising their yeah. hands. Yeah. And you see DeSantis doing this. Yep. Yep. And he has to glance around the room. He has to read the room. And he has to like, like a, a kid that got in trouble and is realizing that he, it'd be better if he just admitted it, raises his hand. Right. He didn't show conviction and he didn't show leadership there. He showed very much cowardice and wanting to please what people thought in that moment. And I think that's that's probably more important to me. Maybe it's not to you, but but it's more important to me than anything DeSantis said. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to bash on DeSantis. It's just the reality of he came in as the clubhouse leader. So we have to talk about him. Yeah. When you're, when you're leading the polls, at least out of everybody who was there, you got to talk about him. Yeah. So let's quickly, again, we're not going to talk about everybody because several were complete non-factors. But we have brief descriptions of each candidate. Let's mention what those are. And then we're going to talk about one candidate a, a tiny bit more and use that as a segue to then talk about their, their views and positions, which is the real heart of what this is about. But Chris Christie, what, what's the what's the label we have for him? Um, was it glazed? Oh, no, or, no, no, no. You're talking. Um, sorry, not 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 Krispy Kremes. Um, you're, you're saying uh, liberal, I believe, is the, what we're looking for. Yep. And what do we mean by liberal? Do we mean. We don't mean classical liberal. We just mean liberal liberal. I mean, just. Yeah, like a liberal from 2003, 2004. He's a paleo-liberal. I don't know. He's he's a traditional liberal. He's just liberal. Yeah. Uh and then what 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 would you what would we say for Pence? Um Pence is a rhino. Now, to clarify one thing, we're saying that Christie is a liberal as opposed to being a rhino. So we're saying he's yeah. more to the left. Than a than rhino, Pence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pence is just—he's your classical rhino. He's your classical uh, Republican in name only. He was not out there mm-hmm. with any conviction. He was not out there with conservative positions. He was out there as just kind of the 
trying to be the successor to uh, George Bush. Yeah. You can pick which one you want there. Uh, Both apply. But then DeSantis. We had to think a little bit about this because we didn't really see positionally who he was, but we ended up saying just that he was a coached politician. Mm-hmm. That's all he presented. He presented a coached politician. And then the, the last of the, the minor candidates we'll mention was Haley. What, what did we say about her? I just, I just completely blanked. What did we, what, what did we come up with Haley? I should have uh, put this one well, down. What it, was it? Just that she was a feminist. Yeah. She's a, but yeah. she's not a modern feminist. Right. And we'll, well, we'll, on one of the answers, we'll expand what we mean by that. But the elephant in the room of elephants. Yeah. Uh, what would you say about Vivek? Because up until this point, we've honestly been complimentary to him. Yeah. Um, are, are we talking ideology? Yeah, ideology. And then take it from there and talk about... Yeah who he is and kind of the big problem. Yeah. So Vivek is a, is a classical liberal. Um, that That's really who he is. This is what he presents. He's very much uh, for the individualistic ideologies that are, that are going and, and pushing this. And this is really seen specifically in his opening statement and his, uh, and really brought to light in his closing statement. But in his opening statement, um, he uh, really appeals to his faith in God, in following God, and when he's speaking about who he is, you know, I, I don't need to come and tell you who he is. He says in his first uh, uh, question uh, that he's or answer that he's giving who he is, and he's talked about his appeal to following God. But the problem is, is that we know something about Vivek, and that is that he is not following the capital G God. Mm-hmm. He is following Hinduism. Mm-hmm. which is many gods, but he, he's, he's a Hindu. Um, and it's Vivek is very interesting because he seems to have identified what made America great in many aspects. But when it comes to understanding the true foundation, that it is God, the God of the Bible, capital G God, that's who it is. He seems to miss that. And think that it just has to do with spirituality. Yep. Which and the I, problem, I, the, the, yeah. the problem I, I think here, Kyle, is he might have a lot of the right pieces, but he certainly doesn't have the foundation to put them together. Yep. Someone showed him a box top. Uh, the problem is he doesn't have all the pieces to put the that puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing I, I would add to that I think the same thing that you're saying there about faith, he has the wrong faith. So although he can identify many of the reasons why America was successful, he then comes to a wrong conclusion. Mm -hmm. Again, politically, he can identify a lot of the reasons that America was successful, but he comes to a wrong political conclusion and he's a classical liberal. Was, you know, we're not going to talk about this, but America at its founding was not a a liberal democracy. No, not at all. No. Uh, That's a a modern thing that came into play. 
you know, if you want to look at the first country, the first real country that was a liberal democracy, you have to go to the uh, across the sea to the bloody French Revolution. Mm-hmm. And there you can see the difference between a country founded on classical liberalism and a country founded on a more conservative position and on God's word. He misses those two points so that although he can identify some of the issues, he doesn't understand why. And he's also going to... Right. And this, this comes into the play of he didn't have enough substance to even know fully what his solutions were. Right. But he's always going to get off on his solutions because he doesn't understand the foundation properly. Yeah. And w- now he did have some really good highlight moments. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I, I love this climate change, you know, confidence where he comes out and he says, no, I don't believe in climate change. Now, then he didn't expand on that. And that's what we mean by by the substance wasn't there. And he also didn't just leave it at no and then stop talking because that also would have been actually a substantive answer to go and to say no. And I'm not even going to uh, address anything else because that's ridiculous. But he then he continued to talk about it and he gave a non-answer. Um, yeah. But let's let's get into let's get into the issue. But I do want you to remember this about Vivek that that he is uh, that that he's a Hindu. He's not Christian. He's appealing to God, um, but he's not appealing to the true God. He's appealing to faith, but he's not appealing to true the faith, the one faith. He's not appealing to what America was actually founded on. You need to keep that in mind when you're you're addressing or thinking through the candidacy of a fake, but let's get into the issues. And the first issue, let's just get out of the way. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, Hey, let's get out of the way. Cause it's not an important issue, but because it's the biggest issue mm-hmm. uh, of our, of our time. And that is the abortion issue or the life issue. Um, do you want to go down kind of what each of the candidates who got a chance to answer this question said, or h- how do we want to do that? Well, I don't think we need to deal with Hutchinson. Um, Christie is really weak and scummy on abortion, but he wasn't even asked the question. Neither was uh, Vivek. So that's, I'm uncomfortable. I want to know what his position is, but let's start with Pence and then we'll go from there. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Pence. Pence, oh my goodness. Pence started off, his answer started off, really, really good. But if you're like, I don't know, maybe I won't say that if, yeah. Pence started off really, really good. He was citing scripture. Um, Mm -hmm. he, he was citing, uh, Jeremiah that, that I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He, he was citing, um, uh, Deuteronomy where it goes and it says, I lay before you, uh, life and death today. And of course, life is a blessing and death is a curse. Um, And then what did he do? Well, then once he got to, okay, well, what does this mean policy wise? He went to, well, I I don't think we should uh, kill babies once they can feel pain. Um, So my position is we should have a 15 week abortion ban. What? Okay, I, I mean, should we even say the fact that they can feel pain before that? But so his his position is even in logic isn't even logically coherent. No. But his solution was, oh yeah, fifteen weeks, that's fine. And like that was a, a that was not a 
because another person brought up 15 weeks and they said at a minimum we need to ban it at 15 weeks mm-hmm. no pence was fine it's just yeah 15 weeks that's good good enough that's life yeah so, oh so pence so pence who he just said he was a like he called himself a pro-life champion uh kind, kind of a thing he comes out and he says that that his standard for life is if you can feel pain after he said, be, I, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He literally cited that scripture and then says 15 weeks. So I think we'll just hand uh, Pence a millstone and warn anyone, do not vote for Mike Pence. Yeah. Unless you want to share in his um, being cast into the sea with a millstone around his neck. Um, and, and I think this is important to state about this. The reason I bring up the Jeremiah thing of I knew you before you're in your mother's womb. There are times it's all abortion is wrong. There are times when you can make an argument that somebody's not where they should be on the position because they haven't been confronted with the truth yet. Pence confronted everybody with the truth in the room, including himself. And then attach the millstone to his own neck. Another candidate did did. something very similar too, but we'll mention that in a second. This will be one of the times that a secondary candidate uh, is mentioned. But how did how did DeSantis? You know, let's give a a little bit of a report card here. Uh, What grade would DeSantis get? Well, so this is tough because if you don't get this, is a pass fail one for me. So I I don't know if I can really give a. uh, a grade, but if I was forced to to give a grade, I, I believe the technical term for DeSantis's grade is called incomplete. Uh, is 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 that is that right? Oh yeah, I yeah, a hundred percent, and that's kind of what I was setting up for. Is what was what was DeSantis? Untangle his word salad for me. What did he substantively? What did he say? Well. The question, he was given what I would say was a softball question. I mean, probably the biggest softball question of all night. And it wasn't even that he swung and missed. It's that you were playing slow pitch softball and he just let the ball go right by him. And it was perfectly mm-hmm. thrown. The question was it, it, essentially, you signed a six week abortion ban in the state of Florida. Would you sign one on the federal level? Now, there are a few different ways to look at this. One is the right way to look at this and say, well, I, that's not good enough. I want to end abortion completely in the United States. Yep. That's the grand slam home run hit right there. No, I'll say that's a, I'll say that's a uh, three run home run. I'm not going to say it's a grand slam. Someone else showed what the Grand Slam answer would have been, but we'll get that in a second. Okay. Um, the, the the second answer that you could give is by just simply saying, yes, I, I would sign that. And it would show conviction. It would show that he's standing on his policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if he did that, then he should continue and say, and that's not good enough. We want to end abortion. Uh, things like that. Like, I mean, those would have been kind of like the the right type answers. The the third thing that he could have said was, um, it's not a 
I, I believe it's states' rights. It's not a federal issue, uh, which which is an interesting answer um, in there. But that's the only way he could have really said no, because you've already signed it at the state level and you just signed it and you've been uh, campaigning on it. Like that is something he's campaigned on yeah. um, in, in everything. Instead, what he said was, I, I'm, I, I'm pro-life and I'm going to uh, be a pro-life president. Okay, Mr. DeSantis, what does that mean? What policy does they, that, they, that they, mean? And they came back and they asked him that question. And he said, well, I'm pro-life. I'm going to be a pro-life president. He doesn't answer the question. That really, I mean, that it, that sounds like it's a it's hyperbole, but that really was his response, was just to say, I am this thing. And to be asked, okay, well, what does that mean? What what action does that, that lead you to? I am the thing. So it was, you, it, it was bad. Um, yeah. I, now, we already mentioned, and this will give us the chance to answer it, we mentioned that we described uh, Haley as a feminist. <laughs> what was her stance on abortion? And there were other things in there, but why does that lead us to say that she's a feminist, but maybe just not a modern feminist? Yeah, so, and this is why it's important to to point out to what DeSantis didn't answer after he said that he was uh, pro-life, because that's exactly how Nikki Haley started off. She said she was pro-life. I'm pro-life. Mm -hmm. But then she said, we need to come to a consensus on this, find the consensus, and we can all agree uh, that we should end late-term abortions and make contraceptives available, which I don't know that we can all agree on. Uh, on that. Um, and we certainly, if I'm in the room, we certainly can't all agree that that is good enough, uh, to just end late term abortions. Uh, we, we certainly yeah. can't agree on that. And, um, and I don't think that she understands the position of, uh, of, of some of the, the, the there are those who are pro infanticide, mm -hmm. like who obviously would not agree that, late-term abortions are bad. So she she really whiffed on that. But basically her answer was, we need to stop late-term abortions. Yeah. And that's really even being generous to her. If in a different wording, that was the same argument that was considered even radical on the Democrat side. Again, just yes. go back 20 years. Mm -hmm. 20 years. And that would have been, her position would have been the radical one. Yeah. Oh, we're we're taking it that far? Yes. No, we want it to be. It has it has to be earlier. Um, again, and and she brought it back to, she brought up positions that we we've seen, um, come up in the evangelical world, specifically Southern Baptist Convention, uh, with their Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, of, well, we got to care about the woman. She's mm -hmm. a victim too. Uh, we can't cr uh, penalize her. We can't criminalize abortion for the perpetrators of abortion, the, the women who murder their children. It doesn't matter that you hired an assassin. You still are the murderer. Um, right. And again, she was very adamant on that issue and the way she was presenting it. Um, and again, it brought it to this thing of she sounded very much like a feminist would on the position from a, a decade or more ago, or two, yes. you know, 
20, 25 years ago. Um, and she just throughout the whole thing, she had kind of this, this mild women's power type attitude towards several different issues. Not in the sense of we need to protect women and we need to create, I think she said something about, you know, raising up strong women, strong women become strong or strong girls and they become strong women. And then I was, I was like, okay, she has an opportunity here. She has an opportunity to say, and strong women make strong families. That's not the position she went to. She no. went to strong women make strong leaders. And in context of what she was saying and something else she had already said um, was that women, she, maybe this is even her position, but this is the position that she gave off that women are better leaders and stronger than men. Again, well, that sort I'm of that sort of feminist position of not just we are not just egalitarian, but we are better than. Yeah. I, I mean, she, she did quote Margaret Thatcher and said, you know, if you want um, something talked about, ask a, a man to do it. And if you want something done, ask a woman to do it. Um, I think even, even the way she was using that wasn't even. I probably not in, it, it was kind of, it, it was a weird context and it, it yeah. didn't like everybody was just like, huh? Um, but yeah, it, feminism was oozing from uh, Nikki Haley, and that's about uh, like I, I don't know that that was like the uh, her main ideology, I would say. And that that's really kind of the sad thing is that really became her only defining quality through it was she's the token woman up there, so she needs to be some degree of feminist. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know her personal positions on things. That's what she presented in the debate. Right. Whether she was being coached in that direction or she chose to go in that direction, who knows, who cares, because she's going to be out of this debate, this with a running so darn quick. And this debate showed that hard. Right. Now, there's one more candidate that we want to talk about on the abortion issue. And this was uh, Tim Scott, I believe, because we don't want to talk about Hutchinson or uh, Bergam, do we? They're a non-issue. Uh, we yeah. don't have enough time to break them down. Right. But there is a reason that we want to bring up Scott because so, he had a higher high. I would argue he even had a higher high than Pence. Even yeah. though he didn't. Yeah. I don't think he brought up scripture. He might have brought up scripture. I don't, he did bring up scripture a lot. Yeah, I don't think he did on this answer, which is actually kind of interesting considering mm -hmm. he he cited scripture a few, three or four other times. Um but what he did bring up, it, it, it presented, because he, he brought it back to the Constitution. Yeah. And like, boom, right there. You're on the, you're 100% right. It is a, the Constitution already makes this illegal. Actually, he, he brought it back to the Declaration of Independence. Oh, did he? Yeah, because uh, it was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, that but is true. Yeah. I think yeah, he I think said he, Constitution. Yeah. But... Either way, he meant that. Either way, he brought it back to organic law and something that is a is a higher law than, well, fake laws. Yeah. <laughs> of, the point of is, it's okay went, to murder babies. Yeah. He brought it back to the, the foundational documents of our country, mm -hmm. uh, the principles that were built on and showed, hey, we have the power in this country to say that 
you know, something is wrong. States do have a huge degree of power, but this is something where the Constitution and looking back to our founding in the Declaration of Independence and other documents has already spoken to this. And then what does he do right after that? He says that he would call for a minimum of a 15-week ban, which the minimum part, I mean, well, actually, I can't even really get behind the minimum part, but it's he goes and he gives the wrong answer. Okay. So, so it's, it's once it's kind of like Pence in stating the right things and then going and saying this, but at least he did say minimum with that. Um, because he was, he was answering the question that he was given as Mm -hmm. opposed to stating the right answer. Um, which is still a problem, but Pence voluntarily set the bar at 15 weeks, whereas in uh, Tim Scott was being asked about 15 weeks. Yeah, Scott. So Scott was the best on abortion that answered the question. Yeah, because DeSantis didn't answer the question. But on the pass fail spectrum, all of them got an F except right. for Vivek, who wasn't asked the question, and DeSantis gets a incomplete. Right. So he wouldn't answer. Yeah. Which is still, that's very telling in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And personally, unless he came out and said that was wrong of me and no, we need to end abortion completely. That's the only way to win me back on that position. But I think there are other reasons why I'm not a, I can't get behind Pence. I mean, I can't get, I can't get behind Pence. I can't can't get behind DeSantis either, but Let's continue on and let's quickly, because this one wasn't super thoroughly addressed. It got derailed fast and then not everyone answered it. But let's talk about climate change, because this is one that is important for, uh, I mean, it's important for picking a candidate. Mm -hmm. It's important when it comes to wokeness because- uh, Climate justice. Yep. Which is in churches, by the way. Mennonites have been preaching about climate justice for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Methodists been, I mean, we could go through, it's in every denomination, this idea of climate justice. Yep. Um, now, I remember pastoring, getting a a postcard uh, in inviting me to a seminar on climate justice. Goodness. Now, I want to set this one up because they had, they, they really weirdly set up the question. They had a recording of a uh, younger person. The guy looked like he was probably Gen Z aged. Uh, and, you know, he's talking about the young voters and the young voters are the, n- the number one concern is climate change. The framing of the question assumed climate change was true. Man-made mm-hmm. climate change. And this is where DeSantis actually had a good moment initially and then when he had to actually talk about it he didn't really answer the question but this is where they did the whole raise your hand if you believe in climate change and DeSantis went whoa 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 uh now before he could even do that Hutchinson had already started putting his hand up Mm -hmm. which was funny he was so ready to answer that no one else even had time to react but spoiler because we don't need to really go over this uh, Haley and Scott 
or Haley said yes to climate change. Scott ambiguously answered it, but in a positive way. DeSantis, how would you describe DeSantis' response, answering of the question? Well, I, I think the easiest way to tell you what DeSantis's response was, was that after DeSantis uh, cut in in a good way, had a good moment in going and doing this, he was actually leading. I thought, okay, this was right after the the first break coming into the first part of the second second segment. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, DeSantis is about to take over. And then DeSantis goes and stumbles and bumbles and stumbles and bumbles, so much so that Vivek goes and steps in and says, well, I'll go ahead and actually answer that question. Uh, and then he turns to, I believe the young person, young man's name was Alex. And he goes, he says, Alex, no, climate change is not real. Um, yeah. it, and DeSantis didn't even take that as an affront when Vivek did that. Yeah. He was, he was like on the vague side there. <laughs> it, in my point with that is saying is that I think even DeSantis realized he didn't answer the question. Yeah. He was letting someone else lead, which Trump set a bar that I don't like in, in political debates of that. He, he confused being assertive and taking lead with being abrasive. Mm -hmm. So you need to come into it assertive and aggressive in the sense of taking the lead and answering the questions and being strong and showing you can lead. But Trump just went to abrasiveness. Yeah. And now everyone is trying to mimic Trump. Everyone sees that's the way forward. That's what Vivek was trying to do, which he pulled off at some points, messed up at some other points. Um, but DeSantis didn't show either. No. He was passive. Yeah. And, and one thing I'll point out is the whole debate, Fox made it clear, because Fox hosted the debate, and the so they all made it clear that DeSantis was the number one guy. Mm -hmm. And so he, would, he was given the lead on questions. He was tossed the easiest questions. Even the framing of a question that had already been asked would be framed in a... Like you said on the abortion one, it was framed super easy for him to just smash out of the park and nah. So we're not seeing leadership. We're not we're not seeing leadership from any of the candidates. We're seeing assertiveness from one, but I wouldn't say he's proven himself as a leader yet. And he's right. totally disqualified. No, no, none of us should vote for him unless he decides to repent of his uh, his paganism and mm -hmm. hand his life over to Christ. Now, are any of these guys Christians? Probably not. But we're still talking a world's difference from an open Hindu who is then going to manipulate and lie and try and hide that fact during the debate by just appealing to a vague idea of faith and appeal to God but then not to find that he believes in a different, a radically different concept of what God is. Not even a who, but what. Mm -hmm. So we're just, it's, it's, it's pathetic. It was a pathetic showing. But what 
there is a, a, a tool of Marxism that we need to address. And this is the last question that we really want to talk about, about uh, people's respo- people, how they responded. So, Sam, who should we talk about when it comes to education? Who should we talk about when it comes to education? Well, there are some options out there, that's for sure. We could talk about the uh, Marxist indoctrination camps known as public schools. We, we could talk about them. Um, but when it comes to talking about, uh, or, or you're talking about which candidate we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I there, there's a couple different ones uh, that, that definitely came up. And interestingly, I like Doug, well, I don't like Doug Burgum on, on this, but I thought it was something that would be worth bringing up. He said that not every public school is an indoctr- is indoctrinating students, and he refused to commit to a federal ban on transgender on a transgender sports ban. Um, I, I believe, uh, what was it, Haley also who who had an interesting thing to say about uh, public schools? Yeah, um, that Marx or, or that woke wokeness is excuse me here, that reading is the solution to ending wokeness. Yeah, Those are the two of, that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, it's kind of functionally what she said. Now, Bergam, his whole thing was states' rights. He doesn't understand states' rights at all. It was an excuse to not act, not what is the states, individual states' roles and responsibilities. Because uh, he, he thought it was... He was okay with getting rid of the Department of Education, which is true. There should not be a Department right. of Education. Um, and But his solution was because it's a state's rights issue, and so the states, their, their departments, of individual state departments of education need to handle it, which you still have the problem of it's still government-run school, mm-hmm. which is a concept that is firmly rooted in what ideology marxism and that's like, not quite literally that's that, that is a tenet of marxism yes yes okay i was about to mention that that's not just a, an accusation marxism is very explicit about the need for state education as a tool of indoctrination mm-hmm. uh, so that both the need for mandatory state schooling and thus you can then educate a population to adopt a certain ideology. Um, mandatory state education is a very, very new concept, even in the United States. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the into the 1900s, uh, the early 1900s, the New England Primer was the main uh, textbook that you had across the, the, the nation. And it wasn't within quote unquote, public schools like that. It might've been within kind of a community school uh, that was put together. Yep. But in, in going in, in looking through a New England primer, I'd really encourage people to do that. 
you really see a completely different ideology than what's presented in a public school. And it's very mm -hmm. much, even with that, it's centered around the family and pushing towards honoring your father and mother. And it's not talking about the state being your father and mother. Boy, we really need to do an episode where we talk about the history of public education a little bit, specifically in the United States, uh, because yeah. there's some rather shocking things uh, and shocking figures and shocking statements. But let, let's talk about compare two candidates because and they've been the two candidates that kind of been being compared. Um, but DeSantis, what was DeSantis's solution to fixing education? The infiltration of wokeness, the problems with dropping uh, test scores and uh, dropping, uh, you know, ability to read and write literacy rates are, are, are going down. What was his solution? Uh, I know part of his solution was ending the or, or uh, getting rid of the Department of Education. Um, I'm trying to think if he said he actually gave something or not for how to fix. Uh, was it strong families? I think he said like there's a lot of just random talking points. So yeah. I think he did say strong families. But and that's one of the problems is he started kind of rambling. And what did he ramble off? He rambled off that we need a Department of Education. Basically. His solution was get rid of the Department of Education because the one we have now is corrupt. And functionally, we need a, a federal Department of Education and the federal government just needs to do a better job. Now, this is a point where I would probably say Vivek, Vivek, I think I've been saying it two different ways the whole time, honestly gave a really good answer and probably his best answer of the night, potentially the best answer of the night, his solution was get rid of the Department of Education, and it was not, then you hand it back to the states, it's you hand it back to the parents. And it was not even just simply homeschooling, it was exactly what you were talking about, community schooling. Mm -hmm. That if the, functionally what he was describing, now maybe I'm reading too much into it, was that concept of Parents then get to choose how their kids are educated. Homeschool, private school. Uh, it sounded like he had a provision for a public school in there, but again, it sounded more like a community school rather than a true public school in the way we think of it now, a state-funded entity. But let's wrap it up. So Sam, what's kind of our point with this? Are we saying... That if these are the, the people, let, let's say these are the people that we have to vote for. Are we saying that most of them are disqualified? Most of them absolutely failed on abortion, so we shouldn't vote for them. Uh, DeSantis has got issues, and we need more clarity on some things, and some other things are kind of concerning. Um, so your, your choice is Vivek, so you should vote for him. Is that what we're saying? No. Absolutely not. Um, that, that's not what we're saying at all. And it, so, so there's there's two things that I would leave everybody with. One, this was just the first debate. So there is more to be vetted and more to find out about these candidates. So continue to vet them, continue to find them out. There are some people that I would say today specifically disqualified themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, specifically I'd say Mike Pence, I think he was disqualified before this, but if anybody was curious, he definitely disqualified himself uh, yeah. today with this. He, he has a wrong view of life. He has a wrong view of many things. 
but he specifically stated the biblical truth and then stabbed the biblical truth in the back. Yeah. That's that's what he did. Um, oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about their their fiscal policies. No, no. They, I, they, I that mean, was another point where just Pence in particular. Yeah. So it, so there there are there are some people here who I would say are still in the potential Exodus eighteen twenty one uh, qualifications who uh, which is just the most simple qualifications for a civil leader. And these aren't incredibly difficult things to have. Like that's that's something that that I think is important to understand. Who, who would you say is in still in the potential? Who who is on the stage tonight, or or is just yeah, who on the right? stage is still in that in the potential? Uh, I, I would say Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott by a thread, just by a thread. I would give him a potential of repentance. Um, now, DeSantis is there because he didn't say the negative, which means that he didn't disqualify himself, but he didn't qualify himself. So he's unqualified in that sense. Uh, Tim Scott came out, and because he did say the minimum, he could come out and clarify and say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't mean that I'm f- that I I'm for abortions at 15 weeks and uh, and before I, I'm I just mean like th- what I what I meant to say was like we have to do better than that like like that's the minimum or if that's what you're giving me here that I mean we should do more than that. It, I, I will it, say that Scott does have to repent of his socialism at the same time. Uh, yeah, because he was the most adamant defender. Which, as a, a you yeah. know, a congressman, he has to be. He has to because he's voted. Uh, but he yeah. was the most adamant defender of the COVID stimulus, and then said that it was Biden's fault that there was inflation. Yeah, and, and he and he did so, straight up lie, and he said that there were only two percent uh, inflation rate while uh, while Trump was there. And you you have to really bend the math to get to two percent. It's the yeah. same way that they bend the math to get to five percent when it's fifteen, sixteen so percent. Right. When, now. when we say that by a thread, we're not even saying that you should you could vote for him today. No, no, we're no. saying minimum qualifications. He would have to fix up some things to meet those minimum qualifications. But that isn't even even to get to a vote, right? It, it and I would say there there are two other candidates who are not on the stage today, who would also be well. One I would say is in that potential needs more vetting, and the other one I would say I believe is an Exodus eighteen twenty one candidate. Um, and I am completely blanking on the the first guy's name. He's a uh, a pastor. Um. And it starts with a B. Uh, his his name. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Uh, Ryan Binkley. Ryan Binkley. Um, he he missed just by a thread of being on the stage. It might have been that he qualified too late, kind of a thing in the game to get on the stage. I believe he will probably be on the second debate stage. Uh, I'll the, be curious to see because I really don't know anything about him. Yeah, and I. I haven't dug super deep into his, his stuff, um, but from the few things that I've seen, he seems solid on some of the issues that I that I really care about. Seems like he would be 
I believe he would have given the strongest abortion answer tonight and it wouldn't have been close if he would have been on stage. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Um, and then the, the other candidate I would say is Bishop E.W. Jackson, uh, former host of, uh, of a national radio show on, um, uh, American family radio was in enemies within the church. Uh, and I believe he just recently threw his hat into the ring, just getting his campaign started. So we'll see if he gets traction, some things like that. Um, he has been to Iowa here at least once, maybe twice, uh, since he, he put that, that out there. So we'll see if he gets traction, but he's undoubtedly an excess 1821 candidate. Um, we'll see, we'll see where his, his candidacy takes him. Any closing it- thoughts here? Well, I just want to clarify again, because I think people might miss it. And I'll probably put a disclaimer at the very beginning. We're not endorsing any of these candidates. No. We're also being very clear. Do not vote for, even though he got a lot of things right, even though it sounded like we were complimentary on him a lot of things, we're just doing an honest analysis. But do not yeah. vote for Vic unless he, again, repents and gives his life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, because it, it, he's only, he's only going to lead us down a just as bad and just as dangerous path. And in fact, he's going to lead us down a path of classical liberalism, which only creates fertile grounds for wokeness to hunt in. That's it right. thrives in that situation because classical liberalism has no defense. It can't have a defense by its very nature. Beyond that, there's only two from tonight that are even in the possibility, the, the right. possibility of meeting the very minimum category to really even run. We're not talking about to vote for. We're talking about just to run. Yeah, these are men mm-hmm. that that can be considered now we vet them. Mm-hmm. We're already in the vetting process, and we only have two people that were on stage tonight that might even be worthy of vetting. Yeah. And that is very, again, we're, we're stretching ourselves to be generous on that because it was a bad bad showing. Right. And it, it, and just, just for the Vivek thing, because I, th- I think you're right. We, we did sound I- extremely positive towards Vivek and that's because he won. I, I believe he won the debate, but you don't vote on who wins debates because when we're talking about winning debates, you could have the complete wrong answer and win a debate. Mm-hmm. When it comes to voting, you don't vote based on rhetoric and uh, oratory skills, or mm-hmm. at least that's not that's not your minimum threshold. Yep. Your minimum well, threshold has to be on the substance in which they're saying. Vote on substance. That's the minimum. Now, if you find two people who have good substance, you, fine. Vote on the one who who speaks better and has better rhetoric. That's that's smart. The the one you like more then. But you need to find somebody with with good substance. Yep. Yep. And it just as an example, the worst candidate up there. I would you have any, any problem saying that Chris Christie is the worst candidate up there? No. No. Okay. No, I mean I mean you can make an argument for Mike Pence, um, but Chris Christie's policy is worse than Pence. Mm-hmm. He won a blue state and he's very proud of saying that. He's just at the line of by being blue myself. Um but we can compliment him too. Yeah. Because there was a couple times. I mean, one one answer, you know, everyone started mentioning the southern border and the drug the drug problems and Chris Christie actually answers right on this and he goes, 
we got to deal with China. China's the one that's sending all sending funds and materials over to the cartels to then wage war on us through mm-hmm. drugs and through their other activities. And I'm just like, how is it Christie that gets that one right? But just because he got that right doesn't mean that he's in any way good. Right. So that's one of the reasons that we wanted to go over this. And we hope it's been helpful and useful. We're going to do some form of analysis as the election cycle continues because we want people to be educated. We want people to actually think through the issues. We want people to examine them rather than just immediately going, they said they are this thing. Yay. No. Where do they actually stand? Yeah. And I mean, I'm debating in my mind whether or not I should say this. It's true. So I'll go ahead and say it. Our nation became extraordinarily woke under a Republican president with a Republican House and a Republican Senate. Yep. Yep. That's something that people don't want you to realize and don't want you to think. But the reality of it is, is that there's going to be a lot of people, and and I'll, I'll call them out just a little bit here, people who go and beat their chests about Christian nationalism, who also swear their loyalty to the first pro-gay marriage first-term president and Donald Trump. Yep. By definition, that is classical liberalism, if not further than classical liberalism. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you have to realize just because somebody has an R, just because they wear the color red, just because they like elephants more than they like donkeys, does not mean that it's going to stop wokeness. In fact, the policies that they put forth, the leadership that they're going to go and present and and, and have might bring wokeness and other Marxist ideologies right through the gates and maybe mm-hmm. even faster through the gates than what other places do. Yep. Yep. You got to really take all things together. And we really hope that, again, this is helping you to think through these in a more complete way and not just see one dimensional points. Uh, and I'm not saying don't be a single issue voter. No, no, no. If they're pro-abortion, you do not vote for them. That's right. But I'm saying even on that issue, you need to look at the whole three dimensional picture because a lot of the every single person up there said that they're pro-life. Yeah. And then they all the majority of them talked about how well, the abortion is okay on this circumstance after this many. Like I can't even imagine four years ago a Republican no. candidate being taken seriously saying that we could have a 15 week ban. Yeah. Well, and the, the crazy thing is, is that they didn't even get into the normal, uh, the the normal things that trip up Republicans. We didn't talk about rape. We didn't talk about incest. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the life of the mother. We didn't talk about the the exceptions, uh, the quote unquote exceptions. They talked about when is it okay to murder a baby? Yeah. The the, the question of should it be illegal was just gone. It was just when. Is it okay? Mm-hmm. And that that was shocking. Uh, it should tell you where our country's at and why we need radical change politically, radical change culturally, and most importantly, radical change spiritually. Absolutely. Well, 
if you uh, listen to the end of this podcast and you are just fuming angry specifically with me, you can email Kyle at contactwikipedia at gmail.com and you can tell him how much uh, you absolutely are mad at my political takes. It's okay. He'll send them over to me. And if he tells me that they're hate mail, I will definitely read them. I love reading hate mail. So please send me more hate mail. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But if you do, I'll read it. And I'll probably laugh about it. So go ahead and send it over. But no, we really do want to hear from you. So please email us at contactwikipedia at gmail.com. And also remember, especially during this election cycle, keep standing for the truth. Another important thing is don't go woke. I'm Sam Jones, and I approve this message.
I'm Sam Jones, and I approve this message.